0: Hi, I'm licensed IO psychologist, Dr. Cliff P. Lewis, and you can call me a monster, but I'm not in any closet. Roll intro. We don't want to get sued, so we're going to be like super vague. Ah, first mistake. How are you a manager and unable to deal with conflict? (laughs) If nothing else, I'm balanced. Welcome to Management Tool, the show about psychology, employment, and management, where my esteemed guest and I talk about why what you're doing is wrong. On the line today, we have my uh, uni housemate, roommate, and neighbor, Alexander Lee. Hello, Alexander.
1: (laughs) hi there
0: cool so alex is currently a vc investor at one of the most active equity investors in the uk what is vc
1: <laughs> venture capital
0: okay so you're a venture capital investor uh, you mentor at tech stars including nine years of mentoring startups run a blog on entrepreneurship and investing with the name
1: the tippy top
0: the tippy top blog yes uh we'll We'll plug all of your stuff at the end with with your handles and all of that. So, you started working in engineering, research, and development at a high-tech Formula One marine propulsion startup. Uh, After that, you... Oh, after founding a number of startup ventures you transitioned into business consulting and investing, Um, you are... uh, You... Transaction experience in venture capital, private equity, real estate across emerging and developed economies. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds impressive. You have, have operational improvement and turnaround experience for numerous high-profile brands, including FTSE 250 companies. It, it is said FTSE, right? It's not just in South Africa, or do you call it FTSE in the UK too?
1: I, I call it FTSE, yeah.
0: Right, because that, that's how they, it sounds like that other word. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about, right?
1: I think so. I think so.
0: (laughs) We're not going to say that because um, so anyone who knows me or may have watched a few episodes will know that I have a total potty mouth and I have zero professionalism. So going to try and um, filter a little bit. I'm not making any promises, but I'm going to filter a little bit because before we started recording, (laughs) Alex is like, Okay, you just have to keep in mind that I actually have a 9 to (laughs) 5.
1: And and want to keep it that way.
0: (laughs) But yeah, so Alex, I will try and not um, jeopardize your professionality. So let's continue with this bio because it's not finished yet. You have an honors engineering degree in mechatronics from Stellenbosch University, which is where we met. Uh, Funny story. So Alex and I, and a bunch of other friends, we were in first year together. And so... I was doing a commerce degree and Alex was doing engineering. And so at Stellenbosch, the engineering faculty has test week. Is it every semester or every quarter? How often do you have test week?
1: That's a good question. It's a, it's a memory. I try to put behind me at least twice a year.
0: Right. Regardless, they, they have test week in engineering. So they write for a whole week, they write tests. (laughs) And so being new a first year, And, um, hearing that my, my, my neighbors and my, my new friends at university and are doing test week and they're freaking out, they're studying so hard. And I don't have any tests coming up and I get nervous and I'm freaking out because did I miss some dates or something? And so I go to my economics (laughs) lecture the one day and I'm like quite frazzled. I'm like, I I hope I don't come across as, you know, a moron, but like, don't we have any tests coming up because... My friends have got tests it. And she <laughs> smiles and she says, are they studying engineering? I <laughs> said, yes. Yeah. She said, don't worry. The other faculties don't do that. So, yes. So, you have an engineering degree. You have an MBA from the University of Cape Town and numerous financial certifications, including CFA. <clears throat> so, well, Alex.
1: Technically, you what, have to say past level one of the CFA. CFA examination. No one watching
0: this cares, (laughs) but for the CFA's purposes, the CFA is not watching this. But if you are watching, Alex is not uh, inappropriately positioning himself. Uh, What do you call that? Um, uh, Unprofessional conduct or something like that? No, it's just me being ignorant.
1: Mm -hmm. Ignorant. No, they're they're ignorant. That's ignorant.
0: Right. So, Welcome, Alex. Thank you for being on my show. You are one of my many friends who I am bullying on being on my podcast. Thanks for joining. My pleasure. So, the reason I asked you on my show is when I say show, it sounds much more grand than it really is. But I want to specifically talk to you about uh, people solutions or people issues, or what most people will know as HR within startups. And, I, and the reason is because I think that is a, a massively booming sort of subfield of, of my area. Uh, the, 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 you would know the startups, especially tech startups, are growing out of control and um, you can't necessarily just take big corporate HR and apply it to startups. So there's a lot of interesting things happening there, and I would love to hear your experiences or the experiences of the people that you work with with your startups. And yeah, just talk about people solutions in in startup in the startup uh, sphere space. But yep. before we get to the roasting, so my show is all about roasting people for being bad. But I am, if nothing else, I am balanced. So I like to start my show with a little segment called the sharpest tool in the shed where we celebrate someone who's not being a management tool, but is actually being a sharp tool. And let me just quickly pull up my Excel spreadsheet. Um, the sharpest tool in the shed this week is, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Shan, uh, Sanjeev Bikandani? Does that name ring a bell? Not to me. Okay, so why is Sanjeev... The sharpest tool in the shed. So, uh, are you aware of ET Startup Awards? Not Economic specific. Times Startup Awards. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of award. I almost said award shows. <laughs> Tell me that you grew up in the '90s on MTV without telling me you grew up in the '90s on MTV. <laughs> uh, so- I need it. The reason Sanjeev is a uh, sharp student in the shed is because he's quoted to say, though I'm the face of InfoEdge, the truth is it's the investment team, the other directors that have enabled us to stay on as investors. It's a joint effort, and most of the credit goes to the Zamato team. But I love seeing that as someone who's uh, studied leadership and who works a lot in re- leadership, I really, really have a distaste for romanticizing and idolizing successful leaders. Um, And so for him to actually acknowledge, and you you could argue that maybe he's just being modest, but to publicly acknowledge that it's not not just him, it's his team as well as the startup team that has been instrumental in the success. Do you have any comments on that? no no Uh,
1: amazing Uh, as you say that 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 we want to see more of that um and and vc organization or investment organizations should be a very flat structure with everyone contributing because you you know you only have one set of experiences in your life and you might not have eaten at that type of restaurant or never used a dating app so that's why everyone's opinion is as valid as each other
0: great yeah and so uh, uh, someone like Sanjeev setting an example <clears throat> for other people then to follow suit and also to say, listen, okay, cool. I don't know. Everything is not just me. It's my team and it's the, te- the, the startup team as well. Yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts, Alex. Tell me about, um, I, I like to call it people solutions and people science specifically. But what is your, what has been your experience with regards to HR issues or people issues in startups? What are the type of things that that pop up, Spe- specifically the things that go wrong?
1: Mm, yeah, easy one. I think, uh, you know, something you said to me a long time ago, I said, well, you know, when when do politics set in, in an organization? And you oh, I know to this me, line. <laughs> When there's more than one person or one people, what is it? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, and, and and I think that rings true. And and, and importantly, um, you know, in smaller teams, the you know, say there's a hundred percent of organisational power, let's call it, and you've got four people, it means twenty five percent per person at a minimum, or it could be skewed fifty percent or seventy five percent to one single person. Whereas if you working in an organization with 400 people, there's a lot more devolved centers of power. And so no one individual has that type of power to you know, negatively influence and bully. And hopefully if they do, you know, they use it in a positive manner. But generally people with that much power don't. Um, and so yeah. these are the problems you see manifesting in startups. And so there's, I, I guess we can talk about two things. We can talk about the founding team and then we can talk about the, you know, wider employee base,
0: and that is now as the as the startup grows. I'm assuming
1: exactly, exactly right. Now, lots we could say there, and I guess um, the the first thing is people don't usually have complete management teams or founding teams. They think, oh, we can just hire in that resource, and and that's the biggest faux pas because you can't afford to pay the caliber of people you need to fulfill that role. So if you say, all right, you and I have an idea and it's this very, you know, fancy bit of software and we're just gonna hire in a CTO, probably not going to work because you can't pay, you know, 120K or that's gonna be half of your fundraise. Right. And right. that person isn't invested enough because you probably say, oh, well, you know, how should we cut up the equity? All right, we'll give them some options. And they're gonna say, look, yeah, options are jammed for later. Give me my salary. I'm building my career. As soon as something else better comes along, they jump ship. And importantly, they might work long hours, but equally they might be more nine to five. Whereas you've got a founder, you know, management team. They're going to do whatever is required to make the startup successful. And that's not, you know, that doesn't come to bear in the good times. It comes to bear in the bad times. And that's when you really need hands on the pump and that's when employees often might just leave.
0: Right. So I just want to go back to what you said is hiring a CTO. Is that a, a chief technical officer? Yeah. So what my impression that I got was from my interactions with, with startups, I'm, I'm currently in the process of running an organizational culture for startups, tech startups. Uh, and it's it's quite interesting to engage with the stakeholders my impression i thought it was interesting that you man, that you mentioned uh, the example of hiring a cto because the impression i got was that the founders and the the sort of leadership or the top management of startups are generally very technically proficient what they are lacking would be the the sort of the people skills or the management skills mm. or expertise why would someone who is starting a company just maybe explaining for, for my purposes of understanding why would you need a technical person as opposed to, you know, cause you don't have Deloitte money or McKinsey money to get like people consulting in.
1: So I guess that's born out of the fact that, you know, a lot of people go to business school now to become entrepreneurs They you know, some go down um, the consulting route. But like, you know, and, and a lot of people going to business school were engineers prior, hit the glass ceiling, wanted to break through. But even if if they did that, they probably wouldn't go, want to go back to the technical side. They'd want to use their understanding of technical to build a better product and sell it better and have you know better commercial outcomes. Um, and I guess most, or uh, well, not most, but a lot of startups are software. You know, everyone's trying to build a SaaS company. So you've got two non-technical founders saying i will just hire someone in to do that and that's a big faux pas because what you need is you need all the critical skills to execute on your business plan in that founding team so a lot of people will say right we're a business to consumer b2c startup and you will look down the list you say well, who's got the marketing experience no no we'll just get an agency to do that and that is mistake number 1 gotcha
0: mm. okay well that that's indicative of how poorly i actually understood the startup space because my my assumption has just always been that if you are if you are the founding team of a tech startup you are tech people and you had a tech idea and you wanted to make it into a business I didn't really think of it the way you just explained oh no it's actually an entrepreneur it's a business person Mm -hmm. who sort of maybe has an idea or a loose sort of way forward and then gets technical people and that actually (laughs) that makes the problem that I sort of saw so much worse (laughs) because Mm -hmm because now now not only the 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 sort of people priorities are is is that an expression suckling at the back teat because that's an Afrikaans saying that you're <laughs> what yeah, you're the ru- behind, you're, behind. You're, yeah you're the the runt of the litter so you're not just one step back in terms of level of priority you're now two steps back because understandably, <clears throat> we need technical people to know how the actual product that we're trying to sell works, mm. and then we can start worrying about people. So it's really no surprise that it's a hot mess uh, in terms of people.
1: Yeah. And, and, and like to your point, you know, you're not incorrect by saying it's often technical founders because you might have two technical founders that met, you know, during engineering and they don't have the commercials and equally as dangerous. Right. Because you need someone who can build the pitch decks, who can go talk to investors, do the selling. And if that's not in your wheelhouse, you've got a big problem.
0: So, so the, the, the problem that the problem I with my, my, my initial conceptualization, conceptualization of the, 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 sort of the management the sort of problem, problem within, problem the, startup within space, the startup space was... was uh, Predominantly, uh, predominantly, predominantly influenced from, influence my, influence from my, experience, my experience working with, with highly skilled, highly skilled professionals, professionals to find themselves to find in, leadership leadership in management roles. Management roles. So for example, when, I, example, was when I was working in the, uh, the, in, the uh, UAE, in the UAE, I was working in the legal and sector and I I met so many met so many amazing 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 legal, legal so, they are so they are absolutely they're stars their stars as as insofar as, insofar as their ability, ability to be to practice law but, but they didn't know they the first didn't know thing of first how, thing, to, run a a how to run a law to run a law. The position, position, deep brand, because all of the because firms of that the I work with were international um, law firms, um, Law <laughs> firms, how to, position <laughs> how to position it within, within, it within a, a an actual firm, within a new a, a, country, context. country context, all of these types of things. These they were, of things. Great they lawyers, were great but lawyers, but they didn't but necessarily, hmm. know, necessarily. How to know how to translate their technical skills into management leadership skills. So what then happens? What have you seen? happens when happens when you you people aren't people aren't necessarily necessarily priority because either either if i'm i need technical team, to get I my management right and i'm right and i'm looking at venture capital or i'm an entrepreneur and i'm looking at and i'm looking at a technical, technical at person so the product selling service product selling is, is up, to up to standard what then happens what then happens with hr hr
1: no no there's no time for hr um that that's a cost center and we need to, you know, and, and, and it is, it's a big faux pas. And I just like to come back to something you said in terms of, you know, if you're a good at, you know, at your trade, does that make Mm. you a good leader? And what, and it's not just a, a startup phenomenon, a, a big, as you say, a big corporate phenomenon that people are promoted to their level of incompetence because when they get to that next rung on the leadership level and they're not good at it, They probably should go back a level, but instead they kind of just stagnate there.
0: They stagnate or uh, people tend to frame stuff really negatively. And I know that's rich coming from me with a show called Management Tool. But uh, instead of maybe identifying developmental areas or setting like personal development plans or things like that, people just go, oh, you're a shit manager. Um we sh- we shouldn't have put you in this role or demote, or you know if yeah. worse comes to worse, fire. so then, okay, so people is a cost center. I'm not surprised to hear that. That's definitely sort of what I expected. So then maybe we can think then in terms of recruitment, training, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, look, you yeah? uh, you're absolutely right. no, I'm not saying it's correct that it is a you know should be seen as a cost center and it's not not a priority it's just that's the reality and i think um a lot of startups are waking up to the importance of organizational design and actually recruiting uh in a sustainable manner and ensuring retention because one of the you know if you lose someone in a start or if you recruit badly and they mess up the culture because again looking at that percentage of um of the pie, if you're four people and you go to five, and that 20% is a bad egg, that can have a really net detrimental effect on your team. So those first hires are are just so important. But I think you, we could start even earlier because you know the, the founding team is generally where things go wrong in in most startups. You look at the st- statistics, you know, X out of 10, nine out of 10 fail. It's usually something to do with the founding team. The, the kind of, once you're able to recruit more people and everything, that's actually not too bad. And then you probably go through another inflection point. So if we stick on the founding team, um, back to my original point in terms of skill sets to uh, execute on the business plan, the other thing that's so important is having the same propensity for risk. Um, right. and, and this is a model taught to me by uh, an LBS professor, a London Business School professor. And because if you, you don't say,
0: like light like flex.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we should spend all the money and, and go hard at marketing and someone else doesn't want to and they want to just go back to their nine to five job or, you know, their, their, their spouse is saying, well, hang on, you know, why don't you go apply for that big corporate job? You're going to have this big dichotomy and, you know, you're going to say, all right, I'll work on it in the evenings. And the other guy says, I've just quit everything. I've sold my house and I'm going going in full tilt. And that's where you start seeing Conflicts start to come in, I'm working more than you. you're not committed as me. How much equity have you got? How much are you being paid? Um,
0: and then it goes back to the it, politics
1: absolutely and and then the um, yeah I mean and, and then the other good characteristics you should have in management teams is that you're connected up and down the value chain, so not only do you have the skills but you've got the connections into fundraising, into customers, into suppliers um, and get that skill set right so Pause there. You go, and then I've got a lot more to say on conflict and what actually happens and why startups go wrong.
0: I'm loving this conversation because I'm just seeing how flawed my assumption about what the problems are with people issues in startups, how flawed that really is. Because first of all, I weren't. I, I my my assumption about where the priorities of people lie <clears throat> was wrong, or p- people issues lie. But now I'm also understanding better where the focus should be. It should not be with, necess- the, not the first focus of people, solutions, and startup it shouldn't be with the culture and the recruitment and the development and the retention. The first focus should be on getting a healthy relationship between the founders.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh,
0: Based on what you've said and your own experiences, it sounds to me like that should be priority number one, and it needs to be close to perfect before you even think about our oh, development plans and recruiting and, and stuff like that. Is you need to get you need to get that that that, that team to work together, mm-hmm. and so what you mentioned was interesting as well because <clears throat> you, you, when you said that. A problem is when you have people with different uh, risk aversion or risk Propensity for risk. For, yeah. Propensity for risk. So, In an ideal situation, you would have people that are completely aligned and have the same appetite for risk. But that's kind of, I think, a bit of a tall order. So in the absence of having people that have the same appetite for risk or propensity for risk, What can we do have you seen anything that works to to prevent differences in propensity for risk being detrimental to the team
1: i think that's a good question and and i think in i must give some more context as well so i think there's propensity for risk to say all right i'm two feet in let's do the startup you need to be on the same page on that however there's another thing where you generally need someone who's got uh, you know, a very high degree of propensity for risk, and someone who's more conservative, and the two balance each other out. Now, often you see that kind of relationship with the CEO and CFO. So the CFO says, "Oh, we can't really afford it," and the CEO says, "We need to go really gung ho and and grab the market." And left alone, the CEO will probably end up running out of cash. Uh, and we you know, being very stereotypical, you know, it could be any one of any, you know, any kind of person, so not trying to do finance people a disservice, Um, and, but if if we, if we, you know, stereotype it and say, if it's just left to that CFO type mentality that we've seen historically a lot, the business is not going to grow, and you're not going to take the bold steps and do the innovation, and I've seen kind of both types of organizations and leadership, and When, as I say, one without the other is always a disaster. So that's a healthy degree and you need to embrace that and say, all right, you're Mm -hmm. saying do 10x and I'm saying do half x. How about four maybe is about the right number. So you've got the upside and the downside protection in all your decision making.
0: Right. So it's not, it's not, we all need to be like, yes, let's put Mm. everything in. It's about Mm. complementary levels of propensity for risk rather. Yeah, that am yeah.
1: I exactly so yeah. that the you know where you should be aligned is terms of career risk and the startup, you know, but within the walls of that, then you can have differing levels, and that's healthy, just like a you know a bit of diversity and diversity of skill sets is very healthy and needed.
0: Um, do so obviously, this is your sort of observation of this, but do you find that founders are? ever aware of this uh, you know this having balanced propensities for risk and balanced skill sets do do they are they even aware of this and do they take active action to make sure that there is complementary skills and balance and all of those things
1: i i think uh, you know some people as i say they might do an mba they might uh, do a, a one one-year entrepreneurship course. They might, um, you know, go on an uh, incubator accelerator program, and they might pick up some of those skills. And I think um, we're starting to dispel the myth that entrepreneurship can't be taught because entrepreneurship is just business. Um, and so people are coming around to that. But typically, what we see is the people becoming entrepreneurs on, you know, historically have not been the people who have pursued education like in the formal sense so they haven't been reviewing models and case studies they're just saying well you know instead of trying to struggle on this career thing i can make more money have more freedom and do what i love being an entrepreneur and they will they will figure it out but most likely through trial and error in a school of hard knocks right. and hopefully they learn quickly um but no I, so i mean I, so in summary no you i don't see people coming at it from yeah. a design perspective and maybe there's something healthy about that because you don't want to be too clinical but i mean Mm. just case in point what you see is in terms of creating the founding team too many people say hi cliffy you don't have a job i don't have a job we're friends we've we've never had a fight for 10 years let's do it and you know that's yeah the the beginning of the end because you know when when the startup goes down because invariably it can't be the right person. Just statistically, there's just no chance. Mm. Then you lose your startup and, and you, you lose, lose your friends. friends.
0: And that's terrible. Um, and so I'm left thinking because I often find myself, because as, cons- as a consultant, which I'm predominantly doing at the moment, I often have to convince non-people people of the importance of what I do. Uh, You Mm. you very, very rarely find a CEO or a COO that really I mean, they all go, oh, people are the most important, but they don't really believe they don't really believe that (laughs) they Mm. say that because that is the PR thing to say. And I often have to explain why they need to spend additional money on certain, you know, standardized measuring instruments or certain types of development interventions. That's not just classroom training. Mm. And so how, how do I convince the two friends who have never had a fight and have a great idea and they think they want to start a startup, how do I, as a people professional, convince them that you can't just worry about your product, you need to mm. look at your relationship, you need to look at how you work together, you can't wait until you start the fight You have to be proactive in how you manage your relationship and how you work together how do i how do i convince them of that the importance of that. yeah
1: i think people are coming around to the fact okay put in the legal agreement at the outset um you know and and it doesn't have to be a full-blown legal agreement but you just write down on a piece of paper Mm. i get this amount of equity we take this amount of holiday these are the you know those things that come later in a startup but should be at the beginning because that's when the fights start. However, yeah. that piece of paper is not going to save you if you fundamentally don't get along and you are not diplomatic and, you know, it's going to get stressful because you're not going to have a source of steady income. You're going to have, as I say, your family members putting pressure on you and, you know, I, I think difficult to convince people if they don't already know. and And just in terms of, Advice to uh, what types of people you should be looking for. I think it's colleagues because you know there's still that line with colleagues. It's like we're friends, but there's that level of professionalism and that disconnect and but and that level of respect and being cordial and providing you work with nice colleagues. I hope you do. But that's the kind of relationship you need with your co-founder, not your best friend or your that's
0: actually family <clears throat> member. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength because i was just about to before you mentioned it's maybe better to get a colleague instead of going into business with a friend i wanted to i wanted to ask you okay cool so now we've got the legal agreement in place we do agree we're gonna take leave we have certain boundaries we have this equity etc but how do we how do we enforce that because i've seen in so many instances big companies small companies international companies they have policies and structures up the wazoo but no one sticks to it i recently worked with an organization that actually had a work-life balance policy like people shouldn't work longer than certain amount of hours they should have rest days no work at night no work over the weekend etc etc i promise you every cuz i'm an i'm a consultant so i charge by the hour cuz trust and believe i was working for burnout because that was securing mm. the bag mm. um, but so many people that l- late night when i'm online i see oh you're online too um so even so if you're so if you're a friend you have an existing personal relationship it would. It's difficult to maintain boundaries, which in the long run ensures the friendship, mm. um, which is quite, which is quite ironic because you have an existing relationship, and to maintain that relationship, you have to maintain a certain kind of distance, or at least set boundaries and keep those boundaries in place, mm. which you typically don't do because, as you mentioned, you know, you go the extra mile and you work yourself into a to the bone. Yeah. Whereas with, with a colleague with, who you don't have a relationship with and you don't really ne- necessarily have the the need to maintain a long-term personal relationship, but you end up doing because it's easier to maintain boundaries with someone you don't have an existing personal relationship
1: with. I, th- I think, yeah, spot on. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, I'd like to yeah, come come back to the importance of founder conduct and not only founder conduct just people conduct um, mm-hmm. you know how you treat each other how you treat your customers how you treat your suppliers how you treat your investors um but as i say and you know everyone says our oh, people are the most important thing and i've everyone i knew that you knew that and i've gone show on the- me
0: the Show long, me
1: <laughs> this long journey of investment to come back full circle to go, Wow, I underestimated by a factor of 10. Because what I'm seeing or what I've seen is that you take the best company, the best idea, and if you've got someone who's just not part of, you know, doesn't seem to respect humanity and just doesn't act like a decent person, it does not matter the startup will fail or whatever it is that you know and that's because all relationships break down so it is all about relationships so people say would you invest in a good management team and a bad idea or a bad you know bad management team and a good idea i think you know it it's certainly it's the good management team with the mediocre idea you'd never invest in a in a Bad idea, but you know, a, a mediocre idea that could become great with a bit of nurturing. It's not completely flawed. You just need to polish it up, and that's part of the innovation, you know, entrepreneurial journey. But as I say, and and I just want to pull up a, a nice statistic here, and I just seen they've changed it. So CB Insights, they do a lot of startup research, and mm. they've actually just just changed the the ranking order. Why do startups fail? It used to be no market need number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, run out of cash. Now, see, they've recently changed it that 38%, and this is now the top category, run out of cash or fail to raise capital. Now, that generally is because they don't respect the CFO and the financial model, and also working with investors and, um, you know, demonstrating proof points. But often that comes down to the, uh, you know, the the behavior of the team and how well they get along with investors. But And a long story short mm,
0: behind the behind the money. There's the relationships.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then so I'll just talk briefly, no market need. You know, the startup shouldn't have probably existed in the first place because the idea was not good and no one needed it. So, you know, everyone went on and got the Twitter account and the offices and this and uh, and meanwhile, there were no customers. So, you know, anyway, but what's scary to see is that on this list, right somewhere down the middle, it says not the right team. 14% of startups failed because it wasn't the right team. Uh, and then right at the bottom, burned out, lack passion. Oh, there we go. Disharmony among teams/slash investors. That's down at seven percent. Now I contest that because what I see is most startups fail because of conflict. And usually, again, not wider employees, because of founding team conflict. However, it's not a very nice thing to say. So people say, yeah, there's a bit of conflict, but yeah, we ran out of money. Why did you run out of money? Because you were fighting so much about this, that, and the other, and you couldn't affect your fundraise. So Alex Lee's statistic, why startups fail? 80% fail because of conflict and people issues.
0: But do you think oh i love hearing that i mean it's a horrible thing but it's valid it's it's validating for me as a people professional to hear mm. a venture capital professional say that oh see my screen just froze just bear with me i need a cto to so help me work these things <laughs> um but, so so you mentioned uh, it's not a nice it's not a nice thing to say, you know, when you're asking a survey or whatever uh, it was, was it a relational thing? But do you maybe think that maybe people just don't realize they only see the money, we mm. were unable mm. to get the money. And they literally mm. just don't realize, wow, it was just because we were fighting, if we weren't fighting, mm. we would have been able to get the money. Do you think that's maybe a factor as well?
1: Perhaps, but you know, looking at the startups that I've seen fail, they they know. I know. They just Mm. and maybe it's British startups, and they're being polite, but no one likes to to say it. It's you know when yeah, it's you know whenever whenever someone leaves a a company, it's like oh you know keep in touch, good to work with you, even though they've just taken them out the back and shot them. Like uh, that's a British culture thing. Um, it might differ around the world, but generally, I say, in startups, often people make that mistake of working with their friends and you don't want to upset them. And you, you know, maybe you were friends for 10 years, maybe in a couple of years, you want to pick that up. Um, so that's it. And I think uh, bringing on to you know, founding team issues, we need to talk about the board because you now hopefully, you know, the founders listening have a board. Uh, and realize the importance of a board and they say you know i I work with a lot of board professionals and board training experts and they say the success of the board again it's not down to board packs or governance and everything it's down to the level of dopamine or cortisol in the boardroom so if there's a lot of angst and fighting in the boardroom that culture permeates down founders, oh, they dread the meetings, it's not productive, you don't talk strategy, they don't get the emotional support they need, and that is the beginning of the end, whereas if it's uplifting, if it's a supportive environment, you get advice, you you know, that is the making of a successful business.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's about balance, and as you said, definitely it comes down to relationships, and mm. It is very <clears throat> validating to hear someone who's not a leadership professional, uh, a leadership, a people professional talk about relationships among founders, boards, yes, things like policies, governance and the product and all of that and the venture capital, the money mm. and the customers is all important, but underlying all of that is relationships. Mm. So um, and I think, yes.
1: Just finally, in terms of how do you convince people that your services are required? You know, you you, 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 de- you don't sell to people, people buy from you. And I think, it, you know, if anyone is in that similar kind of boat, it's, you get to the, the stock. That's why a lot of investors focus at Series A because if startups have gone through pre-seed, seed, They're at that more mature stage. They've only got there because they understand the importance of people issues or Mm -hmm. or good people management. And when they want to go on that proper big scale-up journey, they'll say, we need support to get this right because the culture and the people are so, so important to our success. And that's where you land your pitch on their desk and they'll say, that's exactly what we need.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) What a positive way to conclude a show called Management Tool.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Alex. I think that was really insightful. And, and I'm, you, you know me. I shoot from the hip. Uh, so I'm not just saying that because we're friends. That was, this was a really stimulating conversation. I actually wrote down a, an idea for a research proposal or a research mm. project that, I think the two of us can actually do. So thank you very much for your, for your insights. If anyone wants to challenge your Alex Lee statistics about why startups fail, they can <laughs> rewind this video and listen to your credentials again. So thank you very much for sharing all of your amazing insights. And I hope that my one listener uh, actually could take some of this on board and learn something as well. Before we, before I let you go and do your nine to five, or I mean your five to nine, let's face that's what it is. <laughs> uh, where can people cyberstalk you?
1: So, tippytop um, and then the tippytop blog is my handle across most channels, including TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you'll find me. But I'm I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. That that's my, my go-to.
0: And on LinkedIn it's Alexander Lee, and Lee is L-E-I-G-H. Fabulous. Okay. Cool. Um I am to Gen Z's dismay on TikTok as well, Insta, all of the all of the big ones, and my handle is Cliff with one F P Lewis. Go check us out. Join us for the next episode and Yes, don't be a tool. Bye. (laughs)